loves good love land. Loveland, your guide for Loveland, Colorado arts, entertainment, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Bublitz Jr. I hope you guys are doing well. I know it's been a minute since I've released an episode. We have been on a long hiatus since the end of October. Uh, it's been almost uh, two, it's over two months now that I, since I've released an episode. I do apologize. However, I got a new day gig and my comedy schedule kind of picked up with the holidays and between the day gig and the, and the comedy gigs. I just haven't had time to focus on this podcast, but we're back and I got some uh, exciting news about the podcast. We're going to be making some changes. Before I talk about those changes, how about we talk about today's guest? I'm excited for today's guest. I'm joined today by Adam Nobody. If you know anything about music in uh, the Loveland, Colorado area, you know Adam Nobody. He is a fantastic bassist and loop artist and he's got a brand new album coming out uh january 10th you'll be able to get that wherever you get uh, your your music we actually talk a lot about it in this episode and then at the end of the conversation there's actually going to be uh, one of the songs we talked about uh he gave us permission to play it on the podcast so that'll be coming up after that conversation so that's what's coming up for the guests today. Now, the big exciting news that I got for the podcast is I'm going to be changing the format a little bit because I've had a little, I've had some hiccups trying to book guests. You know, sometimes I have a guest booked and then they have to cancel for whatever the reason might be. And then if I don't have an extra, if I don't have an episode in the bank, then uh, I don't have any content to put out. And that's kind of what's been happening. That's what was kind of happening before I went on the hiatus. It's having trouble booking guests. With that being said, uh, the new format, what I'm going to do actually is I'm going to be doing guests still, but it's going to be not as in, it's going to be infrequent when I have guests. I'm going to try to do a guest every other Friday. That's going to be the goal for the podcast to do, have uh, two guests a month on the podcast. But what we're going to do with the podcast now is since this is, uh, focuses on arts, entertainment, and culture, I'm going to be changing the format in the sense that uh, from going from uh, a weekly podcast, it's actually going to be going to a daily podcast. That's right. Every day, Monday through Friday, I will be uh, the, the podcast will be released, and we'll be talking about those that day's events. So whatever's going on for that particular day when an episode releases, that's what we'll be talking about. And then every other Friday, I'll be joined by a guest from uh, from the Loveland, Colorado arts and entertainment and culture scene, so it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be a great format. You're going to get a get your daily dose every day. Uh, the daily episodes and the episodes that won't have guests will probably only be about five minutes. So you can get up in the morning when you're getting your coffee. You can throw in the podcast, and you're going to get an idea. You're going to get a rundown of the events going on for that day. So that's the new format. Uh, I hope you guys uh, are excited for that new format. 
before we get into our conversation with Adam Nobody, we probably should talk about what's coming up for this weekend for events, right? I can't just release an episode, talk about the new format, talk about daily events without talking about this week's upcoming events. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Things to do in Loveland. Here are this weekend's What's Good Loveland upcoming events. Friday, January 6th, the Tom Davis Saloon presents Snowy River Band from 8 to midnight. For more information, visit TomDavisSaloon.com. East End Alehouse presents the Eli Roth Band from 7.30 to 10.30 p.m. More information at EastEndAleHouse.com. Monroe's Lounge presents Monroe's Piano Bar, hosted by pianist Dana McElwin. Request your favorites and sing along, or just sit back and enjoy the listening to some of the greatest classic hits of our time, from 8.30 to 10.30 p.m. Saturday, January 7th, Jack's Loveland West. It's the Jack's Loveland West Outdoor Gear Farm and Ranch Show, from 12 to 8 p.m. From 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., Encountering a Poet Poetry Workshop with Evan Oakley at the Loveland Library. Sunday, January 8th, a Christmas Walk in the Woods at Savage Woods from 5 to 8 p.m. And that's this weekend's What's Good Loveland upcoming events. All right, a lot of fun things going on in Loveland, Colorado this weekend. Go catch some live music. Go learn about poetry. Go look at some Christmas lights in the forest. Do all the things this weekend. Uh, and if you have an event that you would like featured on What's Good Loveland, just send me an email. Send all the details to whatsgoodloveland at gmail.com. There is no cost for this. This isn't a pay-to-play situation. You email your event details, and I will talk about it on the show. It's as easy as that. So email those event details to whatsgoodloveland at gmail.com. I think that's all we got for this part of the podcast. Uh, Again, after the conversation, make sure you stay tuned. We get a little sample of the album that Adam Nobody has got coming out uh, on January 10th. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Adam Nobody. So I seen on Facebook on on, on the old social medias because I follow you on the social media, right on? Because uh, you're a very talented individual. <laughs> uh, I said that you had like seven or eight gigs you did this last weekend. So yeah, um, you know I'm trying to work work more and more, and uh, I just yeah personally beat a personal record. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be eight gigs in four days, but uh, the last one didn't quite you know didn't come quite. to fruition. Wow, but, but still. Yeah, I broke That's a, a bass l- string. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh yeah. You don't, and you, you don't have spares that you carry with you, or you just. I had a out? spare, but you know. <laughs> Just, you know, it's hard to stop rocking once it starts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Seven. So you did seven shows over the weekend? Yep, I did. And, wow, that's a lot for, you know, even if you count Friday as the weekend, for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's a lot of gigs. And all in town, you know. I mean, the farthest I went was Cheyenne. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's Greeley and Loveland, yeah, there's... There's a lot of work to be done around here. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now, were you? was it just mostly your solo stuff, or was it a combination of your solo and working in the band? Because you're, uh, you're, you're the basis for Space Monkeys from the Future. Yep, and that's if right. people have listened to this podcast, you probably heard the episode with Michael, who was the lead singer of that band. So um, 
Yeah, so was it a combination of both or just your own stuff? Um, a combination of both, and then I'm also in a third band called Urban Nobody. Oh, um, man, a yeah. third band. Uh, yes, I have a third band. <laughs> and uh, it's with a gentleman called Eli and uh, two other guys called uh, Rick and Brandon. And we do uh, kind of like classic rock and roll, 70s yep. you know, covers. And uh, we're starting to do more originals and stuff. So, yeah, um, between the three bands, yeah, that, that equaled about to seven gigs. Wow, yeah. that's so yeah. So it was all three bands. You all were doing three. Gigs. <laughs> that's <Yep>. amazing. <laughs> what got you into music? Like, how long have you been playing? You know, doing music, and then kind of what got you interested in that? You know, so I don't really come from a musical family or really an artistic family, but my mom did want me to uh, play something, and she just pounded it into me from a very young age, playing piano, playing guitar, and I did not like it. I just, you know, I mean, I was all right at it, but I just didn't like it. Until, um, you know, I'm going to say it, a band called Gorillaz. Oh, um, yeah. I heard the song Feel Good Inc. And that bass line, just it struck a chord with me. And I, and I had a guitar that I wasn't really playing. So I took it to the guitar shop and I said, well, before this, I talked to my friend's uh, dad, who was a music uh, teacher and stuff. And I'm like, why isn't this sounding right? You know, I learned the bass line, but it's not sounding right. So we need a bass guitar. And I had a oh. six string at the time, and I'm like, so I need a bass guitar, and it'll sound right. So I just took it to the music shop. I said, I need a bass. Could I just trade this straight over? And they said, sure enough. And and then and while I was there, I signed up for lessons, and then kind of the rest is history. Oh, that's amazing! You know? That's yeah. amazing. I know because yeah, I I <clears throat> I didn't even realize you were in the other bands. I seen you perform solo at one of the open mics, which I rant and rave. I shouldn't say I rant. I, mean, I guess I do. I rant and rave about them. I mostly know I rave. I rave about the open mics around here because it blew my mind at how how much talent was here just in Loveland and the surrounding areas, and how much talent is just going to these open mics. Like you, a lot of the open mics, mixed open mics that I've been to in the past, it's typically singer songwriter. You know, it's usually somebody playing guitar, maybe singing. Maybe you'll have a duo at the most, but there's like full on bands playing at these open mics, which just blew my mind. Uh, but that's where I saw you perform was at an open mic. But that was what you were doing your your solo stuff, the Adam Nobody, which mm -hmm. is bass and, and loops. How did you get decide to do something like that, like that solo project? It's because it's a very interesting. It's an interesting um, genre. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, of course, like anything, necessity. Um, I started playing um, bass and, like, really kind of getting into music when I was about 16 years old. And, of course, instantly started playing with as many people as I could. Started a band right out the gate. Um, what was my first band called? Kentucky Fried Children. <laughs> was the, it was my first band. And, uh, you know, and then uh, just kind of trying to play with as many people as I could. And... People are, are difficult to deal with sometimes, and especially with the younger you are, the more difficult it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after my third or fourth band kind of fell apart, I was just kind of looking around like, what do I do? And I said something about, you know, I knew what a loop station was, and I said something to my mom when I was talking to her, and she's like, well, let's just, you know, try to get you one and see what happens. And uh, that, you know, just kind of out of necessity, you know, I needed a band, I wanted a band, but it also just wasn't wanted to there. Play. Yeah. You know, yep. yeah. So, uh, you know, just, and I had a keyboard and kind of, you know, like I said, took piano lessons early on. So I had an idea of what was going on there. So I just kind of hobbled what I felt like I needed together and just worked really, really hard at it. It took me about a year and a half to two years to not like get a loop to sound just like garbage, mm -hmm. you know, to actually get a loop to sound like something you could listen to. 
it was a long, long battle. I can so, about imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, just kind of out of necessity, and uh, the better I got at it, the more fun it was. So yeah, you know, I think that's with anything creative. The sure, exactly. you get, the more fun it becomes. <laughs> so stick with it. Stick yeah, with it. And th- yeah, and that's that's good advice for any art. I mean, it takes time. It's not something you can just learn overnight and be good at overnight. You know, it doesn't matter what the art form is, whether it's writing or playing music or comedy or you know, you know, whatever. You know, fine art. You gotta you gotta practice. Exactly. <laughs> they say you know because you know, and they say it's like ten, you gotta put in like ten thousand hours before you get good at anything. So <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop right away. Exactly. <laughs> now it sounds like your your mom was very supportive of your career. And both really my parents. Pushed, both your parents. Yeah, that's great. That's really great to hear because a lot of times when it comes to like the creative side of things, you know, parents, because ultimately they care about their kids, you know, hopefully they care about their kids. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, don't go into the arts. It's not going to help. You're not going to. I mean, it's not sustainable. And so when you hear about parents that actually push their kids towards arts, I always think that's great. I know. Like, I wouldn't say she she wanted me to have it in my back pocket. She didn't. Want, but she didn't want me to be a musician, I'm going to say. You know? I think that was one of the last things she expected when she uh, wanted me to play piano. So it kind of backfired. I, yeah, I would say. I would say. Was but, very supportive and pushed it to music. But however, now that it's backfiring, they're still on my side and, yeah. you know, whatever I want to, you know, whatever crazy risks I want to take. You know, they're they're very supportive. So I'm very lucky to have that. That's great. Yeah. Well, and I suppose, you know, the fact that, you know, you're you're keeping so busy with music and doing all these gigs, that's got to show that, hey, there's potential there. Because obviously, if you weren't as good as you were, you wouldn't be in multiple bands, you know, because they wouldn't have you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you, you got that aspect of things. So that's definitely got to show that, hey, this is, you know, I'm on the right path. Doing what I, what I think I'm supposed to be doing. I'm hoping so. <laughs> <laughs> now with your with the the Adam Nobody the solo stuff, what? How would you describe that like to people? Like what kind of music would you consider that? Um, music wise, I feel like it's just kind of straight rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of al- like alternative rock. You know, um, it's definitely high energy, very dancey. Yes, but, it's very um, high. I would agree that it's very high energy. Yeah, which I think is great. That's one thing that I tried to uh, work on as a loop artist. Is I feel like all the loop station artists I've ever listened to, it's very atmospheric, very I want to say droney, mm-hmm. which is fine, and I really enjoy that. But um, I kind of wanted to try to attack it at a different angle, like almost like a pop rock kind of angle, and play these like really catchy pop rock songs that. The loop to the loop is put together really quickly instead of over a minute, minute and a half of getting the feel down. Mm-hmm. I just want to bang it out and then be singing and playing the chorus before, you know, thirty seconds. Yeah. So it's like I'd, I'd almost say like pop rock. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's a good description. With that, like you you talked about other loop artists. Are there loop were there loop artists that kind of inspired you or that that have inspired you to kind of do a certain thing or influenced you in a certain way? So the first time I saw a loop station that just blew me out of the water was Victor Wooten. Um, I went to a bass conference that he was doing, and he was talking about uh, different techniques on the bass and stuff, and brought his boss, RC300, the one that I have now currently, and did this bass performance that just blew me out of the water. And that kind of opened up the doors to me that there's this loop station out there. Now, fast forward a couple years, and I see an act called That One Guy. 
that one guy. That's Some of awesome. you have that's made, a great name. <laughs> may have heard of him. Uh, he's played with Buckethead and and stuff in the past. But uh, that one guy, he plays the magic pipe and he builds his own instruments and loops all his own stuff. And he's he's the first one man band that I saw. And I went and saw Buckethead and he opened for him and just changed my life. And not immediately, but in the back of my mind, I was like, that can be done. That can be done really tastefully and really high energy. You know, maybe I could do that one day. But mm-hmm. that that one guy was uh, kind of the catalyst of the whole madness, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And now going back to just, you know, playing bass in general, you talked about the gorillas. So obviously they've influenced you because that's what got you to switch from learning, you know, playing guitar to playing bass. What are some of your other influences when it comes to playing bass? Hmm. Oh, I could go on and on. Um, I'd say one of the players, or let's say two of the players that really affected my playing the most were uh, Les Claypool, of course. Um, I, I have been known as the Claypool of 4th Street by a couple <laughs> folks, so I kind of like that name. I'm going to wear that. But Les Claypool was a defin- definite and primus, um, that kind of stuff. And another player is Jaco Pistorius. Um, he's a lot more jazz-influenced. He was a 70s fusion jazz player. Oh, okay. And um, arguably the best bass player that's ever played. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i not a big jazz guy. I have to force myself to listen to jazz. But um, Jaco I really enjoyed. And even the limited time I listened to him, I feel like his playing really affected my playing. And his playing really comes through in some of my bass riffs and the way I I attack the, the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jaco Pistorius is... I don't know. I'd say one of the kings, but you gotta you gotta give props to Les Claypool as well, you know. Yeah. So both of those guys, I think, are, you know, two of the pillars of bass. Yeah. I, yeah. And and one, well, I don't know the other one. I only know one of the two, but <laughs> I I can say I I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the one, and yeah, definitely good, definitely a good bass player. Now you said that you you know you going back to when you were younger and you decided to switch over to playing bass. You signed up for lessons. Do you, did you, how long did you take lessons and how much, you know, do you have like a, a person who taught you how to play bass that was really kind of influential? So um, I started um, out with a, a guy named Aaron. Um, he, I, th- I don't know if he still owns a studio in Old Town, Fort Collins, but he used to for a long time. And I took lessons from him for about a year when I was like 16 to 17. No, I was probably 14 at the time, so about 14 to 15. And then when I turned 16, uh, he handed me over to his friend, Michael Olson. And Michael Olson completely changed my life, musically and otherwise. I, you know, I give a lot of props to that guy. Um, I'm not going to say everything I learned, I know from him, because I picked up some bad habits along the way. But um, Michael Olson definitely taught me the majority of the good things that I know. And... uh, yeah, so if he ever hears this, thanks, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's some that that there are people locally that kind of helped, you know, guide you on your on your path. Now I'm curious too. So you have a very distinct look with your when you you perform. How did that come about? With with like, is it a? Did you just one day decide I need a I need a stand? Because with a lot of art and especially performance art, 
marketing is a big thing and a lot of people don't think about it at, as marketing but there are things that you can do to help stand out and get you noticed sure. one thing obviously is is fashion mm-hmm. and your fashion definitely helps you stand out <laughs> <laughs> makes you very memorable <laughs> well i mean that's that's the initial fashion idea <laughs> of it. you know of course is to attract <clears throat> attention and yeah. create an image for yourself but um that doesn't come out of nowhere i've always liked to dress up i don't have i'd say a fashion sense mm-hmm. as much, but I really enjoyed Halloween as a kid. That was my favorite holiday. And um, my mom saved some pictures of me when I was, I don't know, about eight or nine in a Spider-Man costume, full Spider-Man costume, sitting at the piano, practicing my piano, doing my piano lessons as Spider-Man. So I always liked, you know, to yeah. dress up and play music, you know, whether <clears throat> where, you know, whether I knew what I was doing or not. But, you know, as as I didn't, stop either of those things the more it kind of became tangible it's like well now i actually have a reason to dress up maybe not a spider-man <laughs> but um, i have a reason to dress up and show out and uh so i kind of took advantage of it you know mm-hmm. i always liked wide brim hats but if you showed up at school with a cowboy hat you get beat up yeah you know <laughs> we don't have any friends at least so yeah, yeah. there were, you know you couldn't express yourself as well you know and you didn't have a reason to it yeah you know but the older i got and the more you know attention i was getting through music i I felt like i had an excuse almost Mm -hmm. to to be able to dress like i wanted to you know and uh i didn't you know care if i looked silly or not and so i just feel like i'm lucky that i look you know halfway decent not just like (laughs) a a homeless mess Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That <laughs> could definitely. Uh, there's a lot of artists out there that definitely lean more towards the homeless mess, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can see how avoiding that is probably a good thing. <laughs> but um, also on on that note, um, I feel like an image is very important for a, an artist, especially a performer. You know, there's a lot of people that say vanity vanity doesn't belong in music. I understand that, and I used to. Um, apply to that, but I feel like if you're going to be in front of people and you're going to be a performer, you're going to have to dress the part, you mm-hmm. know? So if you're a musician or a performer in any way, don't be afraid to dress up, you know? Oh, that's absolutely. That's what the people want. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah. yeah, as a comedian, that's something that I, you know, I think about more and more the more I, you know, the more I do comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I can see, like, a progression from when I started comedy to where I'm now, com- just through what I, my style and fashion, you know, like when I first started comedy, I just looked like a bum essentially. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I just wore like jeans and a t-shirt and usually the t-shirt was, had some funny saying on it, which was probably funnier than anything I was saying on stage, <laughs> you know? And then I just like gradually kept changing my look at getting nicer and nicer. And now I dress a lot nicer on stage, but you know, I can see that progression over time, but I, it's something that, you know, you don't think about but yeah. you really should because you're right you're going to be in front of people and you know and even if it's not like dressing up per se if you having that certain image or that look dressing that can, the part yeah dressing the part yep, yeah exactly yeah that's a interesting it's an interesting thing that a lot of performers i don't think about i don't think think about yeah and yeah. they should <laughs> exactly they should because you're a performer yeah do you think your look has i mean obviously it yeah, I think it's helped you stand out because that's one thing I noticed right away about you was was your style and your look. Uh, do you feel like that's helped you 
uh, with your career and getting people's attention within the industry or more so like gaining fans? I'm going to have to say a little of both. Okay. You know? I've, I've seen yep. it in both. Yep. Both worlds, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sweet. That's uh, that's kind of what I figured. I kind of figured, but um, now going back to the music, you know, you're you said you're in a couple different bands mm. playing quite a bit. What kind of got you into, you know, working with those bands and and as opposed to doing your solo stuff? Hmm. Um, that's actually kind of a good question. Um, life, yeah, just kind of. The way things happen, the way things flow. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did have a, a pretty serious mission to do the Adam Nobody thing, but um, I feel like I'm better as just a bass player than kind of a front man or a whole, you know, creative uh, powerhouse. So when I met a creative powerhouse like Michael, mm-hmm. um, I just kind of fit in like a puzzle piece, you know. And I still like to do my Adam Nobody stuff and my solo stuff, but I just feel like I fit better as a bass player in a band. And um, and then shortly after that, uh, Eli contacted me from Urban Nobody and asked me to be uh, the bass player for him. And uh, it just made more and more sense. Um, so, And I really enjoy playing with those guys as to where Adam Nobody can just be a lot of grueling work. Yeah, you know, as you have to carry all your stuff by yourself, and you're on your own. It's yeah, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) So no, yeah. After meeting uh, a couple good bands, I really have enjoyed playing bass. So yeah, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to put it down. Yeah, for sure. That's great. That's great. I mean, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you you know, getting better comes with practice, and the more you play, the better you're getting. So the less you're putting your bass down, the better you're getting. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, one hopes. One hopes. (laughs) It's interesting because, you know, you go by Adam Nobody, and then you're in the band Urban Nobody. (laughs) Well, it it is because of me. Okay, okay. I I was just going to ask. I think there was just called Herb before me. But, um, yeah, they had a previous bass player, and, you know, they asked me to join. So now it's called Urban Nobody. Oh, okay. But, oh, okay. Yeah. So they kind of changed it a little bit so it wasn't – the name wasn't the same as with the original sure, players exactly. or whatever. Oh, yeah, okay. no, I'm, I'm the nobody. You're the nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And how did you decide to, like, on that name? I mean, obviously, Adam's your first name, but – how did you decide to come up with the nobody? Because it 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 has a nice ring to it too. When you say it out loud, when you say Adam Nobody, it has like a nice ring. It's also very catchy. It's a catchy title for you know a band or or solo performer or stage name. I guess would be the the way to describe it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. That's that's kind of really it. Is it? It's just kind of catchy. Um. I don't know. I feel like there there could be a a deeper meaning there. I mean, like. In a way, I feel like we're all kind of nobody. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a depreciation thing. It's not like to say, I'm I'm nobody. I'm just not worth being here. It's, <laughs> it's not that at all. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people get that. Oh, they, it's yeah, not, okay. you know, it's not to say I'm nobody. It's just to say, you know, we're all, nobody's that important, maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm nobody. You're nobody. We're all nobody. Just here having, trying to have a good time and figure things out, you know. But um, the name kind of came from uh, a film uh, by a director named Jim Jarmusch. The film's called Dead Man. Uh, it stars Johnny Depp. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's it's a, an amazing film. It's one of my favorites. 
Um, but his supporting actor is uh, this big Native American guy, and he goes by Ikibache. The man who talks loud says nothing. Well, what should I call you? Just call me nobody. And I really like that. And it just kind of <laughs> stuck with me. So, you know, just no matter where I go, who are you with? Nobody. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's great. Now, with <clears throat> the music scene here in Loveland, I mean, it's it's really great from what I've seen oh, so far. Oh, I love far. it. And granted, I'm, you know, I'm out. I'm outside. I'm I'm a step aside from it because I don't play music, but I'm adjacent because I go to a lot of stuff because I do comedy. You you're, know? you're a performer. So like, I'm a performer. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, uh, but it seems great within the community. Who are some of the people that inspire you or like to try to be better at music? Literally everybody. Yeah. Literally everybody. Um, the people like the newcomers that just come in once. Or the, the regulars that have been coming and will come for a long time. Just amazing talent, like you said. And every time I go, I'm blown away. And every time I perform, I feel like, you know, no matter how tired I am or how, you know, if I'm not feeling it, I have to bring my A game every time. Because you will, you know, I'm not going to say fall to the wayside, but there's just a lot of really good talent that you have to compete with. And um, so, yeah, I mean... I could you, name names, but I'm going to say everybody. Hey, that's a good answer. Do you find that, you know, when there's everybody's, you know, there's that competitiveness of people being good, but like not necessarily like competitive in a, in a negative way, but like a positive way sure, yeah. that it having that competition fuels you to want to be better at your at your art form? Um, I to totally, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, I think, another reason why I um, enjoy doing the Adam Nobody thing, but really like playing bass for other bands for that same reason. Because you're being you're being stood toe-to-toe with some other really, really talented musicians in front of an audience. And each time you do that, they're getting better, so you got to get better. And it's not, you know, like you said, it is a competition, but not like, you know, I'm trying to steal the spotlight. It's a friendly competition. Yep. And we're trying to help each other and see... <clears throat> How far we can go, how fast we can run, how, f- how you know, how much fun we can have, and and I think that's something that you get out of a band, you know, and I think that's that's really really something to cherish. Oh, absolutely. Now with music, uh, you know, s- since you've been playing, you've been playing a long time, been in bands, and you've got an album coming out here pretty soon, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in a minute. But and maybe that's what the answer will be, but. In your career, what's been like your favorite part or your favorite uh, or your biggest accolade that you've accomplished? And what more do you want to co- accomplish? I don't know. Going deep now. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, like, um, like physically, um, I'd say like physically my biggest accolade was I was on uh, local television in Utah. I'm oh, going to say awesome. I was on TV. You are on TV. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that I never thought that just picking up those four strings would get me. Um, I've been on the radio a handful of times, um, so that's kind of cool. But I'd say the main thing, of course, is, I know it's a little cliche, but just the people you get to meet, you know, the really cool people you get to meet, the way it changes your life, um, the way you get to change other people's lives. And, you know, one of the coolest things is just see, like, a bunch of people having a good time, you know, like that look in their face. That's like, they're just in the moment. They're forgetting about everything. They're there to dance and they're there to have a good time. And it's, 
kind of because of you, you mm-hmm. know, in a way. And I think that's way cooler than playing on TV, personally. Oh, absolutely. Every time I see yep. that. So I'd say that's my biggest accolade, is to just get to see how, how much music affects people's lives, and, and I get to play that music. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's my beautiful. biggest accolade. I love it. That's beautiful. Do you have, do you have a favorite venue that you've gotten to play since mm. doing music? I do. Because there's a um, lot, especially just in Colorado, I've noticed there's a lot of music venues and venues in general. Yeah, there is. I, <laughs> and that's just Colorado. I mean, there's venues everywhere. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't got to play out as much um, out of state as I'd like to, but um, I have played a bunch in Denver and Fort Collins and... Uh, I've been to a lot of really interesting places, but I'd have to say, hands down, my favorite place to play back in the day was uh, the Dickens Opera House in Longmont. Um, it was right down in uh, downtown, and it was, I think, three stories tall, and it was the, just the equivalent of a haunted mansion. Ooh. It was the spookiest place I've ever been. The open mic night was held upstairs in this ballroom that was really open with these big, huge pane windows. And had these, like, secret hallways that led to nowhere and, you know, all these different places to, uh, you know, do whatever you needed to do. Wink, wink. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was a great place to play. So the Dickens Opera House was, was a really fun place to play. I met a bunch of really great musicians there. Um, But one that really kind of, I feel like was a big staple in my career was Avos. Avogadro's number in Fort Collins. Okay. That still has an open mic night um, every Tuesdays, I think, as as of when this podcast was recorded. <laughs> but um, I used to play there every Tuesday back in the day and met met a bunch of really prominent musicians while I was doing that. And I learned a lot of my chops doing that, um, like performance-wise. So Avogadro's number holds a really special place mm-hmm. in my heart. But the Dickens and Longmont's just fun. <laughs> that sounds like a neat venue for sure. Do you still do a lot? I mean, I know you do open mics locally because that's where I met you, but do you still do a lot of open mics like within the, I guess, region or Northern Colorado, or do you just kind of stay local for that? Because now you're a lot busier, you know, performing in bands. Cause I know with like comedy, the, the more I'm touring or going on the road or performing longer sets, I don't need the open mics as much, you know, once in a while if I'm working on a new joke or, I'm trying to rearrange something, you know, going to an open mic helps, helps keep the tool sharp, if you will, but it's not as necessary. How is that for you as a musician? Uh, very, very similar. Um, like even the open mic nights I go to currently, I still kind of see as gigs um, because there's, you know, an audience there that's expecting me and there's a routine in there. Um, but yeah, when I'm, when I'm coming up with something a little new, when I'm trying to play it with something like, you know, I got a little something I'm playing with now. I'm not going to say what it is, but uh, yeah, I do try to go to, you know, some open mics that people don't know me at and uh, just kind of test, you know, test some material and see if it if it works or not. But um, yeah, like you said, you know, the, the busier you are, the harder it is to get to those open mic nights. But there is nothing like going to a new open mic where nobody knows you. You don't know anybody and you just kind of. It's like your first time again, you know? Yeah. There's something special about that that I think I do need to do every once in a while. So, yeah, I, st- I still That's try to good, get out there. That's a good perspective of going to, like, a mic that you've never been to because, yeah, it does. It makes it everything feel new. You even get those jitters of, you know, am I going to impress these other 
artists? Are, are, are they, they going to laugh at me? Yeah, or are they going to be like, we don't want to talk to this person? <laughs> is he serious? <laughs> what is happening right now? Now, you got your... Uh, got an album coming out. I was going to say your first, but I don't know that that's true. <laughs> so, But you have an album coming out in yes. January. Talk about that a little bit. So it is actually going to be my second album. Um, my first album is called The Body Farm. Um, that's out now on all the streaming platforms and such. Um, and that came out January 10th. So my second album is going to come out January 10th again, but the next year. And this I one's thought called... you were going to say January 11th the next year. <laughs> Oh, I should have done that. <laughs> I was just that's I was like waiting for that because I was like, well, that's actually that's well. Thanks amazing. for one upping me. <laughs> Sorry, wasn't trying to. <laughs> no, it's January tenth, uh, twenty twenty three, and it's called Regeneration Graveyard. So that'll be out on all the streaming platforms and stuff. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. And how long? I mean, obviously, you've been working on it all year because you released your last album, your yeah. first album last year. What kind of work did you put into that, you know, as, as far as like, what, how long was the process of like coming up with the material and the songs to put on it and then deciding on, you know, I imagine as a musician, you're probably constantly trying to create and write stuff and, but that doesn't mean it makes the cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm constantly writing and recording and stuff and just putting things together. But um, this Regeneration Graveyard album was probably, I'd say, written over the last three years and then recorded over the last year. So um, anything over the last three years has really heavily influenced what's on that album. Um, and, yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, live life, do my thing. And then uh, a song will just kind of develop in the back of my head. And then I feel like, you know, when I've thought about it enough and there's enough material there, I'll plug it into the, the studio and, and just kind of lay down some tracks and see if it works out. And um, this, you know, like you said, not everything makes the cut. So I might come out with another one later this year of like B-sides. Oh, nice. Because there is about seven songs that I didn't put on the album that, you know, I want to do something with. I feel like, you know. Yeah, you put the work in them. They're not that do. bad. Yeah. <laughs> just not... The, the material for the A-side. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, um, yeah, I'd say about the last three years I've been working working at it. Yeah. And with this album, how how many songs are on the – how many tracks are on the album? I f- – And do you 12. have – Okay, and of those 12, what, what are a couple of your favorite? I mean, it's, you know, all your favorite because you're doing the work, but what are some ones that stand out? Well, um, some fan favorites that are going to be on there is um, Red Stain on the Front of the Train. That's a that's a song that I like to play. And okay, going back to accolades, one of my favorite accolades is um I played the song Red Standing on the Front of the Train a handful of times and it was played on the radio and enough people complained about it and called in that it got banned from KRFC. <laughs> so technically I have a song that's banned on the radio. That's a pretty so amazing accolade. Yeah, exactly. I'm proud of that. So that's that gonna be on the album. That is definitely something to be proud of. Gotta, <laughs> I have a song that got banned from the radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, Red Stain on the Front of the Train is going to be on there. And then um, uh, a song called Goodbye Brother that I haven't played in a while is going to be on there. That was an old fan favorite that um, I got a lot of requests for. And that's one of my more serious songs. That actually has, you know, I think almost every line has a direct correlation to something that happened in my life 
someone I knew, something that happened. So Goodbye Brother is one of my most personal songs on the album. So I'm really happy that that made it. I'm really happy that um, the recording was, it wasn't easy, but Mm -hmm. it, you know, I had to learn some uh, new drumming techniques to kind of get, get it to sound right. But um, that's, I think, the one of the songs I'm most proud of on the album is Goodbye Brother. Oh, well, great. That that sounds like a great album. Again, coming out January 10th, so go t- definitely check that out. Uh, I was going to wrap up, but now I'm curious because you said that you had to learn different drum techniques. How many instruments do you play now? And and do you do you play, like, actual drums? Or for, like, when you're doing the loop stuff, do you do, like, like uh, what are they, like, electronic drums or, or drum pad? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I loop, I have my keyboard, and I just do the drums on the keyboard. Oh! Yeah, so c- kind of like a drum pad, okay, but yep. even easier. Gotcha. Um, but the actual drums I do play, um, going back to the Space Monkeys, um, I when I first started in their band, I was in their band for about a year, maybe a little more, playing the drums. Oh, wow. I guess I didn't realize that. I was originally their drummer. And, um, you know, I I can get by... I'm not a drummer, but I can play the drums. <laughs> but um, you know, I'd say I can, you know, I can get by on like the guitar, the bazooki, the harmonica, the drums, the keyboard. And I'm gonna say that's it. Ah, that's that, that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> that's plenty. That definitely sounds like it keeps you busy. <laughs> but anything I can get my hands on, I like to give a go. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, I got a, I got a hurdy gurdy. I'm kind of working with. Um, I don't even know what a hurdy-gurdy is. It's an old medieval instrument with like a crank and a wheel and four strings and these buttons. And you crank it like a violin and like play it like a keyboard. That sounds very complicated. It's, it's pretty far out. But, it sounds uh, like a lot of work has to go into that. Yeah, so maybe maybe if I find some time, I'll start working on that again. But as for now, I'm just sticking to the four strings. All right, that's great. Well, the last question I, I, I ask on this podcast might be the most important question because this podcast is the What's Good Loveland podcast. I talk to artists that are local to the area, people that are local to the area. So the, the, the hot question is, where's your, what's your favorite hangout spot in Loveland? Oh, come on. <laughs> My home away from home is the East End Ale House. <laughs> <laughs> good choice. Good choice. I've had some good times there. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this, Adam. Hey, thanks to you, Dan. It's been a pleasure. That was a fantastic conversation with Adam Nobody. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't seen him play live or any of his bands play live, I highly suggest that you go do it. I went and I saw their band, Space Monkeys from the Future, play. I've seen Adam play solo with the loop artist stuff that he does. All of it's fantastic. You're, you're missing out if you haven't went and watched him live. And uh, make sure you go grab his album January 10th. Uh, we're gonna. I'm getting ready to play uh, a sample from that album. We got a little preview, a little sneak preview on this podcast. That's how we're gonna go out this week. We're gonna. The outro music is uh, an original from Adam Nobody. That's gonna be on his upcoming album. That's coming out on January 10th. So make sure you go check that out, especially if you like this song that we're about to play. Uh, again, I just want to remind everybody, starting uh, next week, we'll be doing a daily podcast. This will come out every day. It'll be about five minutes uh, at a time with the uh, upcoming events for the day. It's going to run Monday through Friday, not seven days a week, just the five days a week. 
If you have an event that you would like featured, or if you think you would make a great guest for this podcast, I'm always looking for guests to be on the podcast. All you got to do, send me an email, whatsgoodloveland at gmail.com. All right, so we're getting ready to play this song from Adam Nobody. It's going to be the outro. Getting out of here. Thank you guys for listening. I uh, look forward to bringing you more great uh, conversations with local artists here in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, and until Monday, remember, Loveland, stay good. Have a great weekend.